as I look back, I was basically consoling my wounds and finding ways to kind of regroup, to um, pull it together personally and emotionally, and to um, essentially ask myself, am I a builder? Am I somebody who can create? Am I somebody who's, who's willing to go at it again, despite knowing that I might get hurt at this same level in the future? And being, w- being willing to say, okay, I'm going to go do it again. I'm going to go try and, um, you know, have at it, even though that was a very painful experience, even though it may take months and months. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. And today on the show, we've got Scott Hewish. Scott, thanks for making time. Thank you, Jess. So um, for people who don't know Adaptive, can you give us the elevator pitch? Yes, happy to. Adaptive, adaptive.xyz. We are looking to solve affordable housing and to create a built environment where you have multi-use out of the same floor out of the same space and so rather than moving from one room to the other or from one building to the other this the within the same building or within the same room you get multiple uses therefore you cut down on traffic you cut down on the need to move from school to work to home etc and you you've got a pretty interesting background going to oxford being in finance helping multiple startups why what inspired you about this space I, I, I'm, always, I'm always motivated by the ability to make an impact. And when I've looked at the marketplace and I look at the housing trends and the need for affordable housing and the need to cut down on uh, traffic, the need to um, you know, solve what's happening in the world in any major city as far as urban trends, urban migration trends, uh, the opportunities here with Adaptive and helping to solve that was the motivation. As you look at that, I mean, that's a big challenge. I mean, that's not like a an easy problem to solve. How did you even attack that? Like how, from an innovation perspective, there, there's probably dozens and dozens of innovations that you guys are having to do at once. How did you both address that complexity, but also try and come at it in a way that was realistic where you could actually like solve the problem? Yeah, so yeah, good question. Our, our current IP portfolio is over 50 patents. And that's been expensive and it's been timely to go through all of that. And, um, you know, we've had the ability to be patient on trying to innovate and approaching housing and approaching the built environment uh, with patience, but also with a purpose, um, knowing that we're not trying to do just a step change difference and to shave off 5% of cost or 5% of time to market or things like that but to really step back and be able to look at housing and look at the built environment and say, how do we completely redesign this? And so fortunately we've had the ability to do that and it's, uh, you know, we've had the resources to do so we've had the talent. And so we've had the, um, the, the wonderful experience of really approaching the built environment with a fresh perspective with multiple talented people helping at the same time. You know, um, uh, it's funny, Be- being in the space of innovation, right? Mm-hmm. We get a lot of, uh, you know, we meet certain people who uh, indulge in hyperbole, 
quite a bit, right? And for people who who haven't had the chance to, you know, go to adaptive.xyz and watch the video of like how you guys are literally like lifting the bed up and putting the mm-hmm. <laughs> putting the desk down and like it's not like um it's not like a slight change and now you're calling it a different room. Like you're fundamentally like changing the furniture that's in the room, dropping stuff up and down. Can you give people a little bit more of, you know, kind of a visual explanation of what they're not seeing listening to a podcast? Sure. Yeah. Well, so I guess the, the fundamental is when you drive down the road, you notice that most buildings are vacant most of the day. Uh, a, A classroom at school is vacant during the evening. A office building is vacant during the evening. A home is often vacant during the daytime. And so you realize that there's often these rooms that just sit dormant. And so what our approach is, is how do we make the same room solve multiple uses? And so what we've done is we've gone through a number of different iterations on how to do this and how to have floors that move, how to have um, utilities that are on the floor and then be able to suck those up into the into the ceiling space Um you know, our core technology comes down to the frame and how we build it. And so we don't do use concrete. We don't use, uh, you know, traditional construction methods. But because we use steel and because we use automobile-type manufacturing and assembly processes, we're able to build it with more efficiencies. But essentially, think of, think of the last time you've gone to a play and between different scenes of the play, the curtain comes down. And then when the curtain goes back up, the scene has changed. That's essentially what we're doing is within a a short time frame, call it 20 seconds, the scene can change to where it can go from a bedroom to a living room to a kitchen to a bathroom to a study, et cetera. And so um, you get multiple uses because the, the, the scene changes. And this is a lot more than just a Murphy bed coming down. And a lot more than just cabinets that are, you know, hidden or things like that. But this is really revolutionizing how the entire space interacts with each other. That's incredible. Um, What's been your kind of path, if if you were to explain to someone of your career, how have you kind of grown as an innovator? How have you developed as an innovator? And what are some of the the key parts of your career that you see as kind of big milestones along the path of getting to to do something like this? Sure. I, I think my path has been one that's been not afraid of failure. Now, with that comes failures. And with that also comes, you know, having some successes, but, uh, but certainly I've had some failures and, you know, so for me, I've, um, I view myself first and foremost as an entrepreneur, somebody who's willing to get in and try something, somebody who's willing to take some risks, somebody who's willing to take the initiative on something. Um, and I've done so in, you know, in a FinTech, I've done so in a clean energy, I've done so in a biotech, and now I'm doing this here in the housing industry. And so I guess I've maybe transpired between different industries. Um, maybe I should say I've regressed between different industries. Um, but the the uh, the commonality has been being willing to try things and being willing to fail, but also having the tenacity to keep moving forward. Going along with that, wh- what's been maybe a challenge or or even a failure that you've gone through that's kind of now looking back, you're like, oh, that helped me get into a place where I was able to innovate or approach problems in a different way. Yeah, I think a, a challenge, um, you always run into challenges with financing, and that's common with any type of early stage company is, um, you know, there's the, the more you innovate, the longer it is before you hit revenue, or at least that's often the case. And um, so there has to be a balance that's that's struck between the two, between the innovation and the commercialization. 
and and then also um, being able to you know get either customers or investors to catch your vision and to support you via buying what you have or by um, investing in your company so i i would say a, a, a constant challenge is you know the the financing of innovation um and so i i would say i, I wore maybe another hat of being you know you almost have to become a finance guy if you're an entrepreneur and you have to learn how to relate with finance you have to understand it um and certainly i've I've had to cut my teeth on that and learn some of those those painful lessons of um you know when you when you believe in something and you throw everything into it and it doesn't happen as quickly as you thought it would or maybe it doesn't even happen at all and you realize you've thrown everything into it and those are those are hard moments but then you have to you know be tenacious not only um with those projects but also kind of with yourself to say you know what I'm going to get back up and go do it again so uh, we get a lot of feedback from listeners that they love hearing those stories. Are there any specifics that you can share about like, oh, we thought this was going to go great and then here was the carnage, but then we still survived it kind of stories? Um, I'll, I'll give one example. Um, I guess it was far enough in the past where... where It's the, not quite so painful yeah, anymore. Yeah, where, where the sting has kind of died a bit. Um, so I was uh, helped start a, a biotech company and we had a seed coating product. And um, basically, we were um, we had licensed this technology from the U.S. Corps, yeah, from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, and it was a um, if you think of an egg yolk, and so this was a coating that you'd put around a seed before you planted it, uh, that would help it to germinate faster and to grow and have better crop yields. Um, anyways, we were doing uh, field trials with some of the largest biotech or with some of the largest seed companies and some of the largest um, ag companies globally and those were going very well we were showing great improvements on crop yields we brought in some investors um, and from a you know well-known brokerage firm that has a, has global recognition and um, uh, the the investment group had very different um, goals to what we had you know ours was all about how do we how do we uh, help with food security issues and how do we make crops more durable and make them more affordable to people and their their agenda was much more around the IP protection and much more around trying to, you know, grow the IP portfolio and then sell it to a chemical company. And, you know, with the eventual uh, solution of what might be shelving the product and went through about a year-long legal battle on that, painful. Um, and um, uh, the end result was that um, it just hampered the growth of the company, hampered the innovation, it hampered the spirits, the morale. And um, and so after a year long of legal battles, I just kind of washed my hands and said, okay, I've, I've, I've got other things I'm going to go do. Um, and it was very challenging, um, but it taught me the value of finding the right partners that n not only can provide your temporary needs, but also stay with you and catch the vision of what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. So I'm, I'm interested in after that, you know, um, I can think about a, a couple of investments that I was all in and I had family money in and I had friends money mm -hmm. in and it was like, it was, it was all in and then came to a grinding halt, you know? And like, I think both times I basically sat around at home and licked my wounds for like six months. Uh, any, any thoughts about, um, you know, Silicon Valley or people, they, they joke about failure and they say failure is no big deal. But, but uh, that real like gut-wrenching, wow, this was my whole future and now that's over. Like I certainly felt like lost. I wondered if I was just lucky 
and and now that my one chance is gone and you know had self-doubt had all these things any any advice for people going through that like okay real failure happened not like cute nice failure to joke about but like real like kind of like crushing like oh crap kind of failure yeah and it's it those are very emotional moments and sometimes those moments as you mentioned they they last quite a while i've um I've had very long extended vacations. <laughs> um, I've had very long ski trips and very long, you know, trips out of the country where I've just been, uh, as I look back, I was basically consoling my wounds and finding ways to kind of regroup, to um, pull it together personally and emotionally, and to um, essentially ask myself, am I a builder? Am I somebody who can create? Am I somebody who's who's willing to go at it again, despite knowing that I might get hurt at this same level in the future and being, w- being willing to say, okay, I'm going to go do it again. I'm going to go try and, um, you know, have at it, even though that was a very painful experience, even though it may take months and months before, um, you've regrouped and regained the emotional energy to go at it again. Um, but I think that's w- one of the things that separates those entrepreneurs from, those that are just in it to, you know, make the quick buck or, you know, because it's, it's sexy or something else. But, but truly, if you're a builder, then you're willing to go through that pain and you're willing to start something knowing that you may go through that pain as well. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Um, as you look back, uh, at kind of adaptive, where, where did that spark initially come from? Where, where, where were you, or do you remember where you were? Or was there a singular event, or did it come over time? How did that kind of innovative moment kind of happen for you, where you were like, "Oh, I can solve this"? Sure. Um, the the moment, I guess, for me, it was r- recognizing just how bad the marketplace is globally in every major city for affordable housing, and I had heard heard the statistics. Um, and I was, you know, I'm not from the construction space. I, I've never, you know, had to be on the job site, you know, building something. And I've sat there and scratched my head and say, and asked myself, why does it cost so much money to put up two by fours and drywall and, and, um, you know, these basic materials, why does it cost so much money to put these together and create a shelter? And then you start looking at modular manufacturing, you start, you know, you start digging into it and you start, you know, this becomes kind of a, a, uh, a a thesis that you 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 grab hold of this thesis that says okay there is a cheaper way or there is a better way or there is a more effective way to do this and that becomes your thesis and then you start trying to solve that thesis and you start looking at data you start looking at people to partner with you start looking at how to assemble the right team and so that thesis becomes um, kind of that the um, the the roadmap and sometimes the thesis changed you know it'll change and it'll pivot um but for me it was a few years ago on um starting with this thesis but it took it took the greater part of six months before that became formalized into okay let's get going with this adaptive yeah um as you as you innovated, did, did were there moments where it pivoted? W- was it originally a very different idea, or did you kind of have that idea from from the get go? The the technologies have pivoted, and I'll, I'll give you one example. So we w- um, with adaptive when we started it, the the floors would adapt, so the floors would move, and we would store things into the floor. 
and as we were working and developing and, and doing several iterations on the technology with the floors moving, um, we kept running into some challenges. And so we started to look at it differently and said, okay, what if instead of bringing things up from the floor, what if we brought things down from the ceiling, but use the same frame, use the same structure? And we started going down that. So we made a pretty big pivot doing that. And we started going down that path of dropping things rather than raising things. And it was a, you know, one step back, but three steps forward and quickly as we did that pivot. And so that was painful to do. And when we made that announcement and, you know, and made that decision with all the employees, um, very hard to swallow because everybody had these projects that they'd been working on for months and months and had taken ownership of solving these challenges and then to all of a sudden say, okay, that was wasted, but let's fail quickly. Let's iterate. And we're now going to go down this path. Love it. Well, uh, I think we're about up for time for part one of the interview. Everybody, please tune in for part two. We're going to keep asking Scott these kind of questions. And again, uh, if you want to see what, what we're talking about, go watch the video on adaptive.xyz. Thanks so much. Thank you.